Well, good to be with you again, and uh, had a wonderful time in God's presence already this morning, but we talked about anxiety last week, and so if you were here, you heard that, and uh, we're going to be continuing the conversation today, and we're going through Philippians, obviously, uh, and this is where we camped out last time, and we talked about, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. If you, if you take those verses and you and you don't get the context of what's happening, those just seem like, like, like good things, but really out of place. Rejoice in the Lord, let your gentleness be evident to all. What? The Lord is near. <laughs> it just seems kind of, it just seems very random. But what we, what we, the, the, the theory that I posited, that I, that I suggested to you, which I, th- I think is really true, that, that if you look at Philippians chapter 4, chapter 4 of Philippians is really this, I called it a treatise, it's really a, a, a dissertation on mental health. It's a, it's a dissertation, a, a, like a, a spiritual overview of how to walk in spiritual and emotional health. And so rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, and so what we, we dug into last time, we dug into this idea of gentleness. And really what that word means, it, it means, because anxiety essentially, and we're talking about common anxiety. Let's go to that, uh, what we would call acute anxiety. This is what you would call like your, like your garden variety anxiety. And I don't mean garden variety as in like it's not very bad. I mean as in like like everyone experiences that. And what does anxiety feel like? Not good. It feels like not good. What does it feel like? Pressure, yeah. Panic attack, right. And that's kind of what we're that's that's the the body numbing electrifying, electrical current running through you, kind of like I can't catch my breath. And that would be like the, you know, kind of the intense part of it. But that kind of what when we say common or acute, acute anxiety, we're not talking about necessarily like trauma anxiety. We're not talking about like chemical imbalance anxiety. We're talking about basically worry and fear that manifests in what we would call in America anxiety. That's the word that we have for it. And so we went through a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, well, let me, let me, uh, yeah, this, this, this is my only quote from last time. And it was from David Paulison. It says, worriers act as if they might be able to control the uncontrollable. Central to worry is the illusion, say illusion, it's this illusion that we can control things. The illusion of control lurks inside your anxiety. Anxiety and control are two sides of one coin. When we can't control something, we we worry about it, we get anxious about it. So we kind of poked at that and... uh, we dove into the word gentleness there. Let your gentle, what, what, is, what does that have to do with anxiety? What is it like? That doesn't even seem like we're talking about the same thing. And we had a bunch of quotes from cool guys in there that, that talked about how this word gentleness is really talking about people that don't find it necessary to have to control everything, right? Have you ever, have you ever been with someone that's kind of gracious? They're like, man, I've really been looking forward. So let's, let's say Joe. We're just going to say Joe. I don't think we have a Joe here today. But Joe is, Joe kind of, he's been talking and he's like, I kind of really like tacos. Man, I've been craving tacos for a while. And you and Joe are buddies and you've been hanging out. Well, you and your friend, you know, Frank, 
you and Frank, you're really excited to go out, and you and Frank and Joe, you're all going to go out, and you're like, oh, wouldn't it be great to go get Lefsa, <laughs> right? So you decide that you're going to go to the Lefsa restaurant. And Joe is with you guys, and you're like, oh, but Joe is, and Joe's like, hey, you know what? If you guys want to go get Lefsa, let's, let's just go. Let's all just have a good time. He's being gentle. That's what gentleness is. And gentleness is our ability to be like emotionally gentle. We don't have to be rigid. When you think of control and self-centeredness, it's rigid. Gentle, it doesn't mean like playing with young children and not hurting them or, or not bruising girls, right? That's like we should do that too. We should be that kind of gentle. But that's not what that word gentleness is talking about. It's talking about gentleman, gentleness of relationship, gentleness of emotion. It's not how we would say it in America, but that's how the word is in the scripture. And it means you having this, this God-given ability, this softness about you. Soft, and I don't mean softness like weakness, softness like graciousness. You don't have to get your way every single time. It doesn't mean that you're a wimp. It doesn't mean that you're not strong. It means you're thoughtful. And it means that you don't have to. The more we want to control things and the more self-centered we are, the more anxiety we have. That's just, I mean, that's just ugly stuff. You know, that's just, nobody wants to hear that, right? <laughs> hey, let's talk about anxiety. Okay, how do I get over this? And then I say, well, if you want to control things and, you, and you're not gentle and you, you want to be selfish, then you're going to have higher anxiety. They're like, okay, can we go to a different seminar now? Like, like is there, how about let's go to a different topic then? Because I don't like to hear those kind of things. And I want to just, one other quote that we didn't get to last time. James Fowler said, worry is a form of humanistic self-orientation, <laughs> big words, that thinks, quote, it's up to me to take care of this situation. Listen to how he says this. It's a form, it's, it is thus a form of practical atheism, acting as if there's no God to deal with the situation or that God doesn't know or care about the situation. You guys ever been in the middle of anxiety and someone's like, well, did you pray about it? Yeah, I prayed about it, right? But we're, we, like, it's kind of like a token prayer. Like, God, I need help with this. Are you living as though God's about to intervene in this? Well, no, I got to take care of this, right? And the more we jump on the, I've got to take care of this, the higher our anxiety goes, the more this illusion of control wants to happen in our life and the further God gets from us. And we, like he said, practically, like not, we're not really atheists, but how we're living, it's like, well, yeah, God, you know, maybe he'll help. I don't, like, I don't know. But, but the anxiety rises up and that starts to speak so much that we forget that God's even available. We forget that God's intimately involved in our life. We forget that God's willing and able to be present in this situation. So as we move on, moving on to new material now, I want to, I wanna, this next slide that I want to share with, it's, it's kind of my premise. And it's like, it, there's, other, there's other things we're going to talk about, but it's, it's at the core of what I want us to talk about. How many would love, how many would love to, you wake up in the morning right? And you just start off your, like, that's a good way to start the day, waking up in the morning, right? And you just start off your day, and you're talking with Jesus, and you just continue to walk with the Lord during the day. You just, there's just this interaction throughout the day. There's just this exchange from heaven to earth, and your heart to God's heart, and you just, you're aware of his, like we talked about earlier, you're aware of his presence. I mean, wouldn't that be wonderful? It's just every day went like that? Instead of by 4.30, you're like, oh yeah, God, oh, help me, <laughs> right? 
I, can, I need to be better or something or whatever. You, you know, you're kind of your fourth quarter prayer that you throw out there. What about just, just walking close to the Lord? And so let me share this statement with you. And just let, just, like this might be interesting how it's worded, but just, just let it soak in for a second. The place inside us where we hear the voice of the Lord is the same space that anxiety wants to fill. Now, I don't know how you hear the Lord. Like It's, it's kind of a little different for everyone, but that, that place inside of us that hears God, that recognizes the Lord's presence, that recognizes the Lord's voice, that's aware of God, that's the same real estate that anxiety wants to camp out in. Now, I know I've gone through all this material, so I'm like, yes. And you guys are like, okay, what are you saying? <laughs> so I'll let you kind of catch up to where I'm at here. And, and I'm about to, like, if you ever, if you're walking down the street and you, you couldn't really see what's going on, but you heard beep, 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 what would you think is happening? Somebody's backing up. I'm giving you the beeper today. I'm going to back up with a dump truck and just unload a ton of stuff on you this morning. And so feel free to go on the website, cocfamily.com, on, on Monday or Tuesday when we get it uploaded. And if you, like, if you didn't get all the notes or whatever. So there's a pile of stuff. But man, I just, I've gone through this in the last few weeks, and some of this stuff has been transformational for me. I'm just saying for me, like, this isn't, this isn't stuff like, hey, the pastor, he just knows all this stuff, and well, he'll just share some good, like, this is stuff I'm learning, and I've watched my life change in the last couple weeks. I'm not saying that I've got victory all the time or whatever, but like, like I've leveled up in my awareness of, of some of these tools and some of what's happening inside of me. So that's what we're working off today, is that if I let anxiety live there, my capacity to hear the voice of the Lord and to be aware of God's presence goes down. I was, uh, I, I wa uh, we're going to give you tools, we're going to show you stuff in just a second, but, uh, you know, just not, not that long ago, I was called into a situation that, uh, it, you know, was life or death for, some, you know, like physically. Someone may not make it through the meeting that I was there at. And as I was driving there, I wouldn't have noticed, I would have, I would have called it concern before or, or intensity, like, okay, we're going to see God do something. And I, after, after seeing some of these tools that I'm going to share with you in just a second here, I recognized I was anxious. I'm like, huh, I've got a lot of anxiety in walking into a life and death situation right now. How many think I need to bring that into that situation? <laughs> no, says nobody, right? And, I, and you wouldn't have called me anxious. If you had seen me, you wouldn't have said I was anxious. But I felt, because I was able to recognize it now, felt all this anxiety. And I was just calling it like intense, like we want to see God do something here. And I'm like, all right, my intensity doesn't make the Lord any more willing to do something or not doing something, right? And so I was able to just go, all right, we're going to turn this down. All right, God, what do you want to do? And it was great. But I, I wouldn't have recognized that had I not had some of these tools. So you might be saying, well, listen, just preacher, I just, I'm, I don't have anxiety. I don't, I'm not really an anxious person. I'm not really someone who just always worried about tomorrow. I'm pretty easygoing. Right, Stan? Just, hey, it's not really worth worrying about. If you don't know Stan, he's super mellow, right? And there's no reason to get worked up about things. But what if I were to tell you that a lot of your reactions, a lot of how you react to things, it might be 
offense. It might be aggressiveness. It might be uh, kind of taking charge of things. It might, a lot of our, it might be anger, it might be frustration. A lot of those reactions, we feel it's just us. Like, that's just how I am. That's just how I'm wired. I want to just throw this out. Here's, here's the new thing that I'm throwing out at you. I just want to say that a lot of that, much of that is driven and fueled by anxiety. And it's bizarre. Like when I was here, so a lot of this comes from a guy by the name of Steve Cuss. C-U-S-S, yes. It's a, it's a funny last name. Steve Cuss. His website, because he's a preacher, and he uses words all the time, so his website is stevecusswords.com. <laughs> There's no actual cuss word. Like, it's his words, and his name is Steve Cuss, and he, he's going to get made fun of, so he just decided to take the advancement. And so he was talking about all this stuff, and I had never heard this before. And I'm like, I don't know what to think of this, because I feel like it's real, but I've never heard of this before. And so it took me, I, w- I wish I could say, man, just go get his book. I get, like, I've waited through hours and hours and hours and hours of his stuff to kind of what I feel like condense it. So... I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just backing in the dump truck. Hopefully some of it makes sense. But Steve Cuss, he calls it chronic anxiety. Chronic anxiety. I always thought chronic meant like super intense. That's not even what chronic means. Those of you in the medical field know this. Chronic means persisting for a long time or constantly reoccurring or long-lasting and difficult to eradicate. And because this chronic anxiety is long-lasting and hard to get rid of, we don't even realize that we have it. So the one is common anxiety or, or acute anxiety. This is chronic anxiety. I would call it camouflage anxiety because you don't know you have it. And that was me. And so once I learned some of the tools, I'm like, oh, oh my, I do. And it was trippy for me, and I think it's going to be the same for you. Hopefully, we'll, we'll find this out. Let's see if we can diagnose it a little bit. Steve says that chronic anxiety is, is the most common anxiety in the home place and at the workplace because it's generated by assumptions and expectations. Also, listen to this. This is really important. It's the only kind of anxiety that's contagious. If you're worried about the future, you've got the fear and worry, this normal electric body numbing kind of anxiety, panic attack kind of stuff. Panic attacks are not really contagious. There might be people that are like, oh, whoa, what's happening? You know, are you okay? But chronic anxiety has the ability to spread. And when chronic anxiety shows up in someone in the room, pretty soon four more people around there have chronic, and the levels start going up. And we're, we're calling it this, and it'll make sense to you in just a second, but I, I think you'll start to understand what I mean. I, like, I, have, I have been a spreader of chronic anxiety in my home. Everybody knows that you know, when dad gets a little overwhelmed, that stuff starts to go south in the house because I tend to be really strong. And so... I did not even realize it was anxiety about me kind of losing control this moment or someone's expectations are not being met or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm learning. We're learning lots of stuff here. And so chronic anxiety is affecting you. It's affecting your job. It's affecting your family. It's affecting you as you gather at Thanksgiving time around the table. We're going to find someone that's anxious in the room. And it might be you. And you don't even know it. And all of a sudden, we're going to start reacting in a way that is not what Jesus would do, and it's not healthy. So chronic anxiety is not so much worry and fear, but it's reactivity. Chronic anxiety happens when our assumptions are violated. 
oh, honey, I just assumed it would be you and I that were going out to eat tonight. I didn't know that Rick was coming along. Does he really love me? Is, it okay? Is he dumb? Does he, right? Does he not care? He, like, all of a sudden, stuff starts, and it's anxiety. And that drives our reaction. You might pull away and, fine then. No, I'll just stay home tonight. No, I just remembered I got to do something else. Or it might be a, a blow-up reaction. When our expectations are not met, oh, which is very close to the same thing, but... I just, you know, we talk about all that time, all, we talk about that all the time with our pre-marriage stuff. You guys are walking in with bags full of expectations, right? And guess what? Your bags are completely different than her bags. And uh, they don't really, that's not a matching set. And so we talk about expectations. Oh, well, I expected we would have no kids until like we're 40. Oh, I expected we would have like 13 kids tomorrow, right? Like there's, and these are, you know, just being kind of silly, but real. Like we have these expectations. Well, you, you have these expectations of you, of relationships. It, reactivity and anxiety shows up when somebody assumes something about us that's not true. You ever had that? Oh, well, I just thought you or whatever, and or you heard through the grapevine. They, wait, they think that about me? That's not how I am at all. What? And anxiety starts to show. We wouldn't call it, though. We wouldn't call it anxiety. We'd call it frustration. We'd call it disappointment. But if you diagnose it, it has all the signs of anxiety. It's uh, when somebody puts an expectation on us that we cannot live up to, let alone our own expectations of ourselves that we're unable to meet. Yeah. Anyone ever made a list for the day and then not got the list done? Anyone been a little crabby at the end of the day? Or maybe you're just like, ah, I'll make a new list tomorrow. Stan's like, yeah, there's more lists to be made. Yeah, another, another day. So you know you are chronically anxious when you are reactive. All right, let's talk about what causes anxiety, chronic anxiety. Now, this is not so much the worry and fear of the future, but this is, this is the anxiety that is living in that space where God wants to show up and speak and let us be aware of his presence, but anxiety moves in and is like, hey, I got something to say here. And that's the thing. Anxiety always comes with a story. Anxiety always shows up. It never shows up silently. It shows up unaware, but it always has a voice. Anxiety is always telling you a story. It's always talking about something. And we're like, oh, that's true. Boy, I tell you. Well, I'm glad you said something about that instead of listening to the voice of the Lord because it lives in the same space. And instead of hearing the Holy Spirit nudge, yeah, gosh, they're really reacting right now because they're scared. We hear anxiety say, you don't deserve that. And you're like, you're right, I don't deserve And you start, things start leveling up. But we don't realize that, that it's anxiety. We just call it a reaction. How can you be like that, right? And all of a sudden, we're on the treadmill, and we're just running, and crazy, crazy cycles are happening. So the num these, these are the big five. And there's hundreds underneath these, and there's others in addition to these. But if you want to just take a one swath and knock out five of them, you'll get, you'll get most of the causes of anxiety. Control, right? <laughs> right? So you had something kind of figured out, and all of a sudden, all the rest of the kids showed up, and they brought their friends, and now they're doing this. Like, this isn't even going like I thought this was going to. Wait a minute. And we're feeling, ah, I don't have the ability to control this anymore. I don't have, you know, I don't have 
the ability to make this go in the direction that I want it to go or for you to go in the direction that I want you to go. When I lose control of a situation of my own life, of your life, of my family, of my job, all of a sudden anxiety wants to show up and it starts telling us stories, all kinds of stories. Another one, perfection. Hmm. Hmm. Anyone ever uh, not able to let someone else do something for you because they just can't do it right? Right? Anyone uh, take... <laughs> Please don't be raising other people's hands for them, right? <laughs> Anyone, uh, right, just a little worked up at the end of the day because it just, I, it's just, you, you know this should only take an hour, but three hours later, it's just not quite right yet. And anxiety starts to creep in. And so now we get right? And whatever that is. We either get distant, or we get short, or we get aggressive, or we get depressed. Or, but it's anxiety telling us, telling a story and saying, this should have been done well, and this is not done well. Do, anxiety is right there going, really? You think that's good? <laughs> seen kindergartners do better than that, right? And that's the story, right where the Holy Spirit should be saying, peace, man, you've got this, right? And perfection can show up in all kinds of different ways. Knowing the answer, yeah. We, uh, a lot of us, we, we, we're, we feel like there's an expectation for us to know, right? Well, well hey, hey, John, you're a carpenter, you should... And, right? And all of a sudden, you're expected to know about everything, carpentry-wise. You know, what, how long did it take that board to grow? Well, really? Don't you know anything? Like, and, and often, these are mostly in our heads, right? But they're generators of anxiety in us. And we feel this pressure, some of us. Often, uh, Steve says that, that often we'll, we'll feel one or two of these, probably more than the others. Some of you will feel all five of them. Some of you don't feel any of them. But you're maybe, maybe not that self-aware. <laughs> Just being honest. But we, I'm glad you're laughing. It's good. It, it, we have this pressure to, to always know what we're talking about or know the answer, right? How many of you have ever went through, uh, or, or even maybe with a niece or a nephew or something, you know, Marnie talked about a horrible situation with her cousin, Imagine what they're feeling right now, not knowing the answer. I don't like. There's that is going to want to cause all kinds of anxiety. Is that going to be helpful? It is not going to be helpful. But I need to know the. This is my kid. How could I? How could I not know what to do? How can I not know how to resolve this? And so there's that pressure to know the answer. Always being there for people. Some of you personalities, man. If you let someone down, oh, might as well just, yeah, might as well just call it quits. Your life is over. Like there's this pressure to never let anyone down. You're always there when someone needs you. And, and at its core, that's a good thing when we're serving and giving. As an anxiety inducer, it's bad. It's, it's, it's a neurosis, right? We can't, we can't, but there's this pressure to always be there. I've got to always be there for my kids, or I, you know, because we say things like that when it's not humanly possible. I'll always be there for you. And I know what we mean, but there's this anxiety-inducing 
thought that's always in the back of our mind, I've, I've got to be there. And if something comes up where I can't be, oh my, cue anxiety telling you all kinds of bad stories about yourself. And the last one is approval. Man, I just, I just, I want people to say I'm doing a good job. I want, I want it right. Man, I've worked hard at what I'm doing. I want, you should, you should recognize that. Tara, you should recognize that I'm doing my best here. And boy, that's good enough. I mean, it is. Approve of me, right? And we're, we're all at some, some level, but some of us, it's one of our chronic anxiety drivers. If, I've, if I'm in the middle of a, of a discussion and all of a sudden I feel like there's disapproving, ooh, feel my anxiety go through. The, but I wouldn't call it that. I would just maybe get indignant or, or I would try harder. Oh, they, they're not approving because, of, hey, hey, do you, hey what, how would you do this? And all of a sudden you want to know, what can I do? Right? I'm the puppy. I, you know, pat me on the head. Right? I need to know how I can make this better so that you can say, good job. Good boy. Good girl. And so these things want to show up in our lives. Again, I know we're just throwing stuff at you today, but just, just kind of process this for a little bit. And, it, and all of these, you, maybe some of them you're like, yeah, I wouldn't even. And then you get to one and you're like, oh, yeah, I could, see, I could see where that would. I don't know if I would call it anxiety, though. Yeah, just hang with me. It, it's anxiety-inducing, which creates a reaction. Because anxiety always has a story, and then you're trying to solve something that doesn't need to be solved. Oh, they're not approving of me right now. Now, instead of having a real heart-to-heart conversation, your reactions are all about trying to get approval. Your reactions right now are all about trying to get control, because I'm feeling like this inside. I wouldn't call it anxiety, but I'm feeling, hey, something needs to happen here. Come on, Judy, we got to take care of this thing, right? And I'm not really solving any issue. I'm not building relationship, and I'm not working forward in the kingdom of God. I'm trying to solve something to make my emotions go back down to where they're supposed to be. And that's the story that anxiety tells us, that something's wrong. And, we're, and we get elevated, and then from there on, we stop listening to the voice of the Lord because anxiety's got that spot now. And it's telling us that this is the wrong thing. Oh, you can't be doing that. So control, perfection, always having the answer, always being there for people, always having people approve of us. You know, these are generators of anxiety, but you know what else they are? They're also attributes of God. God is in control. Come on, church. God is the only one that's perfect. Come on, who knows the answer? God knows the answer. Who's always there? Closer than a brother. I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's, well, that's Jesus. Who gives us, whose approval is the only one that counts, and who's the one that gives us? We've, we're found approved in Christ. So they're attributes of God. Anytime we try to take God's job, anxiety shows up. Anytime we try to take God's job, God is the one that does those five things. So let me ask you, how do you know if you're anxious? How do you know if you're anxious? Now, classic anxiety, it's a little more, and and there's some crossover here. There's definitely some that cross over, but this is so covert. How do I know I'm anxious? Number one, what's going on in your body? This this one right here, this one, I'm going to share three things. This one was phenomenal for me. So this happened a couple weeks ago. It, anxiety usually manifests, chronic anxiety, is your heart racing, 
is your mind spinning? And often, we, like people that find themselves in that kind of anxiety, you're, you're just going to worry yourself to a solution. All right, I just got to think about it a little bit more. I just gotta, when you go to bed and your mind is spinning, and you wouldn't say you're anxious. I'm just being really thoughtful about this subject. And you wake up the next morning, and you're still being really thoughtful about that subject. You wouldn't say you're anxious, but somehow you can't shut your mind down. Are you with me? Do you get it? Or your body is tight. You've got tense shoulders, or your stomach gets tight and you get nauseated. That's mine. When he said that, I'm like, oh, I spent about two days just kind of walking through the day and I went, I'm queasy right now. What did I, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And I would think of what I was thinking about and it would be a situation that I was kind of frustrated with. I thought I was frustrated. I wasn't frustrated at all. I had anxiety because I was trying to control someone else because I was, uh, you know, maybe listening to the lie that, you know, well, I'm not doing a good enough job or, you know, like, like whatever anxiety was telling me in that moment, it came with a story, but I didn't even realize it. I thought I was just frustrated. But all of a sudden I've got a knot in my stomach and I'm physically ill. Huh. And all of a sudden my shoulders are just like super tight. My mind doesn't tend to spin a lot. My, and since then I've noticed about three or four different times where I found my heart racing. Like I wouldn't say, I, classically, I would not call myself an anxious person. I would say I'm intense, but I'm not anxious. I don't, I, I've been anxious about some things, but I'm not an anxious person. You know what I found out? I'm riddled with anxiousness. It's all over. I mean, it's in my feet, in my head, in my hands. It's in every decision. Like, I found once I, once I saw these, and I'm like learning to diagnose, just learning to, every time I'd feel that little, ah, oh, just a little queasy. Oh, wait a minute. Did you eat some bad pot roast? Or, or, or what are we thinking about? And I would find nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm processing something in the back of my mind that I didn't even know that I was processing, and anxiety was raising up. And you know what? Every single one of those times, the problem I was trying to solve was not the problem that needed to be solved in that moment. And that's what happens when anxiety shows up. You solve the wrong problem. You have the wrong reaction, and you go after the wrong goal. Getting rid of anxiety lets you see what's going on in the situation. It lets you feel empathy. It lets you be aware of what the Holy Spirit is saying because we're, we're not trying to solve these false needs. Anxiety always shows up with a story. And I don't know that it's there because it's covert. It's one of the, what do you call those guys that have the grass hats and they, you're standing right there, you can't even see them, and they're like snipers and stuff. It's, it's covert. It's camouflaged. We don't even know it. For me, for a number of those, I was either frustrated or, or, yeah, I don't even know what, some of those I was concerned. And when I looked at what was going on in my body, I went, I think I'm anxious about this. What story is anxiety telling me? And there's all kinds of stories that are not true that it wants to tell you. Okay? So what's happening in your body? Number two, can you name what you think you need, but you don't really need? Anxiety is always going to tell you, oh, you need this to go this way. Why do you need it to go that way? Because it has to. Oh, wait, but why? Because, it, like, right? Anxiety's got this story. You, they, they need to like you. Well, that would be nice, but no, no, they need to like you. 
you need to solve that problem. Well, wait, I was trying to work on this. Well, no, they need to, they just walked in the room. You need to make sure that they approve of you. Oh, no, it's approval. Okay. And it's always telling us these stories and you end up solving. So if you can, if you can, if you find out that you're feeling anxious, that's, that's been a more difficult one for me to kind of pick apart. What is it that I'm really, what do I feel like I need in this situation? So that, that takes a little more thinking. Here's a good one. How do I know if I'm anxious? <laughs> Ask people around you. Because the people that love you, they know when you're getting worked up. They know when something's off. They know when something's going on. And it's pretty, pretty easy for them to spot it. We don't spot it. It's, it's hard for us to, like you will, you will never, without a mirror, you will never see your, see your own eyeball. The thing that you look out of, you'll, you'll never see it. You, no matter how hard you look, you can't see your own eye. And sometimes it's hard for us to diagnose what's going on inside of us. So ask your spouse, ask your kids, right? Ask your coworker. Hey, you know me. Do I, am I pretty, pretty relaxed? They're like, what? You're all like high, strong, and you're just anxious. And No, I'm not. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you asked. Ask somebody that cares about you, and then you can start to diagnose it. And then uh, the time, here's, how do I know if I'm anxious? Have I forgotten that God is near? Have I forgotten that God is, like, am I trying to solve all this on my own? Do I feel like it's all on my shoulders to take care of this? Is that what kind of language is coming out of my mouth? Or am I making space? Because when I'm not anxious, I make space for God. I make room for the Lord to, to work in that. And when I get anxious, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, I need to call some people. Right? Like, all right, where's God in that? Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's good. I love God, right? We, you can know you're anxious if, if God's kind of an afterthought. If you've nudged him out of the equation, not intentionally, but the anxiety, they can't coexist together. You can't be like, I love Jesus. Speak to me, Lord. And anxiety wants to speak as well. You can only listen to one. And we get really good at listening to anxiety. Hey, I just don't know if I can hear the Lord anymore. <laughs> we need to calm down the anxiety and invite the Holy Spirit back into that space. Find out what kind of false story is being told and, and get rid of it. Here's a, here's a great one. We, I love this quote. He, this is Steve's language. We are made to be exactly human-sized. Right? You are, you're in the right spot when you're human-sized. When we get anxious, we get bigger and we get smaller. So when you start getting anxious, you wouldn't call it anxious, but all of a sudden you start getting louder. You start really needing to make your point. Do you start pounding your fist on the table and do you start, or do you start taking control? Hey, here's what needs to happen. All right, you guys need to go over there. We get bigger. Hey, listen, just, you know what? I'll listen to you later, but I just can't take this right. Just back off for a second, right? Feathers come out and we make ourselves puffed up, right? Not in pride sense, but we, we get bigger. We're no longer human-sized. We're asserting a biggerness than we need to. Or do you get small? Do we kind of just pull back then? Well, I'm just going to stand over here then. I'm just going to not... Hopefully, like a meeting's getting a little tense and, and you didn't realize that you're getting anxiety in you because you're getting, not getting a need met and like, well, I hope they don't call on me. I hope, right? I just, I'm going to, I'm going to be distant. I'm going to get smaller. But you have gifts and personality and created in the image of God. We need you to be present because the glory of God rests upon you and we need who you are. So anxiety can cause you to be smaller and disappear. That's not good either. We need, we need your relationship with us. So 
Anxiety stops you from being present and aware as to what we've talked about this already. You begin to see the situation through a false lens as anxiety begins to tell you a story that's not true. We see a perfect example of this in Luke. You guys know this story. Look at this. Now, after all what we've been talking about here, now read this story. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to the Lord and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha is anxious here. Anxiety is saying something, you know, something about her sister, something about her. You're not managing this household well. Things aren't going to run smoothly. You're, you're not doing well, right? You don't have control of this situation. I don't know which one it was. Did she get bigger or smaller? She got bigger. She went up to confront Jesus. <laughs> I would say that's bigger, right? And what does anxiety do? It makes us unaware of God's presence. What was Martha not aware of? <laughs> the presence of Jesus in that moment. She felt that the problem that needed to be solved right there was this whatever anxiety, and we don't know exactly all, this, all that we have of the story is this. Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset. You're full of anxiety about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is saying, you're trying to solve a problem, but you're trying to solve the wrong problem. You're trying to, and so often, so much of our energy goes into reacting to and solving the wrong story. How frustrating is that when you're giving every, like, right? Man, you're putting up walls, and you put the roof on, and you, right, you put the windows in, and you paint it, and then they're like, it was supposed to be put on that house. You're like, oh, well, I hope they like their addition. I guess it was great. Like, you do all this effort, and, it's, and we're trying to solve the wrong problem quickly here. Tools to relieve anxiety. Glad you asked. <laughs> Laugh. It displaces and dis dissipates anxiety. Laughter. All of, this, all of this stuff that Steve Cuss does is based off of something called Bowen Systems Theory or Bowen Systems Family Theory. It's about how, the, how an organization or how, how family units operate and how to be emotionally healthy in family units. came out in the late 70s. And uh, it's been around for decades. And uh, it's the study of how anxiety spreads. Study of how when I get anxious and I'm trying to solve something, then you get anxious because I'm trying to, like, and we all know that. We all know when someone gets elevated, we might just call it grumpy or upset or intense or whatever, but they're, they're answering a question that anxiety is speaking to them. We don't know what's going on in them, but we know what's going on. Everyone else starts getting anxious. And so... When they walk into, they do, they'll help organizations and they'll help families. And when they walk in, they've got two questions that they, two things that they look for to see how anxious. What's the level of anxiety in your organization? What's the level of anxiety in your family? Here's what they look for. Number one, they measure the level of playfulness. How much do they laugh and play together? The higher the level of playfulness, the less anxious you are. If you're wound so tight that you can't have a little fun, maybe we're wound tight in the wrong way. And I'm not talking just about personality. I'm talking about just a, a f joyful, free exchange. Playfulness, having fun, enjoying each other. How much of that is there? And the second thing, they measure how easy to offend they are. The easier we are to offend, the higher the level of anxiety. 
The harder it is to offend us, the lower our level of anxiety. If you're easily offended, you've got a high level of anxiety. I'm just putting it out there. I don't care if it steps on your toes. It sure steps on mine. When I'm offendable, it means my anxiety is high. It means I'm trying to solve all kinds of things that are unsolvable. Oh, yeah, now you said that to me? Can't, I can't believe they didn't show up. Why? I've got all this anxiety. But I wouldn't call it anxiety. I would call it doing a good job. Or I'd call it managing things well. Or I'd call it, you know, being a good person or whatever. So we need to laugh. Number two, we need to, this, this one, this one's worth the price of admission right here. Realize that God is already ahead of you at work in the situation. We think a lot of times that we, and, and this is true, we carry God with us. We carry God in us. We think we're going to show up and bring God to this situation. God's already there. When I heard that, it's not anything new that you don't know, but when I heard Steve talking about this, I'm like, oh. So I had a deal when I, so when I first was learning this a few weeks ago, Figured out, man, I got a knot in my stomach, and I didn't think I was anxious at all. I'm like, oh, I've got a lot of anxiety trying to, trying to piece together what kind of story anxiety was telling me, trying to follow what he was telling me to do. And when, I, when he got to that point, I'm like, okay, all right. God, you're already working. You're already, I mean, that's, all right, God, I believe that you're already working in this situation. I'm going to pray that this works out for your glory and that, that I can't even remember what this, see, it's so much peace, I can't even remember what the scenario was. But it was something involving other people and whatever. And I'm like, even before I prayed, God, you're already doing the work that I'm just, and there was so much peace that filled my heart. I mean, I was, I didn't realize, but I was really anxious about it. And I, had, I just, I prayed that verse about casting all your cares on Jesus. And I'm like, all right, you're already working. You're already there. You're already moving things that need to be moved. I'm going to pray because you, you tell me to pray. So I prayed about it. And it just, the peace of the Lord just showed up in my life. It showed up in the situation. I just trusted that God was going to work and God worked. And it was just, it was glorious. But just believe, this has been freeing for me. Believe that and realize that God's already at work in this in the situation. Real quick through a couple of these. Find the truth. Anxiety's telling you a lie. So just pull out the word of God and sift what you're feeling and what the story is in your head. Sift that through the word of God. Does that does it line up with the word of God? Usually it doesn't. This is another great one. Name it to tame it. Name it to tame it. When this is all tucked inside of us, we're all having to deal with it, and we're dealing with the, the anxiety in me, the anxiety in you, the anxiety between me and you. We're, we're dealing with all of this kind of internally. What I've found, I've done this with our board a couple times, and because we've got a great relationship, and, and they trust me, and I trust them, like it's not that professional, but I feel like I've, I've got that latitude. I've just walked in, and I've, I've just said, all right, we're going to talk about this today. I just, I just want to let you know on the, on the front side, here's what I'm feeling. And I don't, I don't think this is accurate, but this is what I feel like. I feel like uh, I might be in a bad leader this way, or I feel like I could be doing, you know, like I, I f I'm feeling anxiety over this, and here's what I'm calling it. Marnie and I do it, you know, for each other. Like, Marnie, I just, hey, I feel like <laughs> whatever. And, and I, don't know, I don't know if this is even accurate, but this is, this is what I'm kind of feeling, I just want to get that out there and let's deal with this together. Like, if you, if you feel me overreacting to things, it's because I'm feeling this and I don't, I don't think this is true, but once you get it out of your head and just like, and I'm not saying that you just 
go around all the time. Hey, let me tell you how I'm feeling now. <laughs> just kind of spilling your guts. I'm not saying just be a Fruit Loop, but I'm saying at very critical moments, instead of just bottling all this up inside, once you start realizing it, oh, that's, I'm feeling like, whatever. I'm feeling like I'm losing control of this situation and that's creating anxiety in me. I feel like I'm not getting approval and that's, that's, that's raising my level of anxiety. Once you can name it, if you can just put that out there it, with critical people in, a, in the right moment and just say, I'm not expecting you to solve that for me. I just want you to know where I'm at with this. And, and, I'm, and it's, it's my deal. I'm going to handle it. But I just want to let you know that's what's going on because that could color our conversation and I don't want to feel like you know, there's something weird. Or it might be like your spouse and you're like, can you come alongside me and help me walk through this? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We can do that. And then the last one on, on the list is, is life-giving, life-giving activities. When you find out you're full of anxiety, laugh, go, go play, right? You know, realize that God's at work. You know, find out what the Word of God says. Is, is, am I believing truth here or, or am, I just, am I believing a lie from anxiety? Do I have someone that's close to me that I can trust where I can just kind of get this out and name it? And then the last thing, do, do some life-giving, things that make you feel like a kid, right? So for me, a couple on my list, like, like he, he has, Steve has 136 on his list. Some of them are spontaneous things. I can do it right now, right here. Some of them take planning, you know, like one of them, one of them for him is a, going to a, a place where they do like Gregorian chants, like a monastery. <laughs> he just gets, gets alone. He does like solitude. Like that wouldn't be my thing, but like for him, that's life-giving. And so he would have to plan that trip. So like for me, doing photography, like, and I don't do it very often, but I'll just, I'll just walk around and I'll take pictures and I start seeing God's beauty and things. Getting down on the floor, which is harder some days than others, and playing with Callie, like tucking her up, you know, where she's facing away from me and we play with something together, I find is really life-giving. You know, on, on Steve's list is a longer than 60-second hug from his wife. You know, a prolonged hug. Like, finding things that could be super simple, or it could be, you know, worship. Like, just, like there's a, there could be a, a really long list, going for a drive, whatever it is. Finding ways that we're going to get this stuff out of us and get healthy. I know we're running a little bit long, but this is really good stuff. Let's uh, finish up with this last one. It's what we said already. Anxiety and the awareness of God's voice and presence cannot occupy the same space within you. So, you know go review the video or whatever if you didn't get all those written down. But I would just really challenge you. I just would really challenge you because you're more anxious than you think you are. Just, if I've learned anything, like I would not have called myself an anxious person. Like I don't spend a ton of time worrying about things. And I would, like when I started realizing what was going on in my body, how's my mind working, what, like there's a lot of anxiety that I would have just called frustration. I would have called it just a bad reaction. I would have called it being annoyed. I would have called it, you know, kind of being sad about something. And I find that it's, it's anxiety about some need that I think needs to get met, but it doesn't really need it. That's no, it doesn't need to get met. He was last, last story. This is just a cute one. And this is a parenting one. He was just talking about some real life examples. And he said he had a mom come in and, and uh, had a, kid that was just obstinate and wanted to wear pajamas to school and uh, was was just causing all kinds of anxiety and they would have and everything would escalate and it would just go on and on and on and and uh, he uh, he finally said well just let the kid wear pajamas to school which is totally how I would parent and 
she was mortified. And she said, what kind of a parent would I be? And he said, there's your anxiety. There's, it's not about pajamas. It's not about school. It's about how people will see you. Will I get the right approval? That's what's causing anxiety. And she fought and she fought and she fought. No, I think you're wrong. Blah, blah, blah. Finally, she's like, He's like, has anything worked so far? This has been months. It's, it's wrecking your family. Like it's, it's really breeding more. It's spreading because anxiety spreads. Chronic anxiety spreads. And she's like, well, no, nothing's working. And he's like, okay. So she said, all right, I'll do it. Let the kid go to school one day with pajamas. Everyone made fun of him. Came home. She didn't have to say anything. He said, I'm never wearing pajamas to school again. But what was the problem? It wasn't pajamas. It was anxiety is tricking me to solve a problem that I don't need to solve right now. I don't need to solve the problem of how people see me as a parent. I need to solve the problem of this is a silly idea to wear pajamas and what's the best solution for this? Let's find the right solution. Last thing, I promise. Anxiety, I know, I promise, prom, like a double promise this time, Travis. <laughs> anxiety limits your ability to be creative. That's as, we're, as the plane's landed, the tarmac is down, we're walking off the plane because we're done now. But anxiety will cripple your ability to have creative solutions. It'll cripple your ability to, to hear input from other people. Anxiety wants to just solve that problem. You decrease anxiety through some of those tools, and all of a sudden you're open to all kinds of solutions. All of a sudden you're not having to solve a problem that's not really a problem. And the voice of the Lord can speak, the voice of wisdom can speak, the word of God can speak, and you're like, oh, there's a creative solution because I'm not trying to solve what anxiety is doing to me. I'm trying to solve the actual issue here. Does that make sense? I know that was a truckload of stuff for you. I hope you got something out of it that you can use. And I'm just, just serious. Just go back once we get the video up, and if you just need to scroll through and write any of those down again, you know, just like they're on there. And uh, I just I think it's going to be really helpful for you. I think, I think you'll be surprised at how much of this is going on inside of you when, when you kind of just analyze it a little bit. And we don't need that. We don't need that in our lives. We need to be present. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen? God, I just pray for uh, these people that, Lord, may we be a non-anxious people. May we walk in the Spirit of the Lord, in the fruit of the Spirit, with goodness and gentleness. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.